we welcome you to the REST podcast. The messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past REST conferences. We pray that God will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord and your ministry for Him. Let's jump right into the scriptures, if you would, please. Matthew 6, 6 and Psalms 91, 1. I put at the top of these notes the notes on a secret and sacred place, and uh, it is something special to me, and I'm not trying to impress you. I think I'm beyond that, and I probably could not if I tried. But I do want to talk to you about some things that I am learning. I quit using the phrase, I have learned. Uh, I'm probably, I feel like I'm in kindergarten all over again. If I could just touch the hem of the garment and sense the presence of God, it'd be worth all that we do. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. And I need that in my life, and I'm sure you feel the same way. And so the Scriptures, Matthew 6, 6, But thou, when thou prayest, not if, but when, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Matthew 6, 6. Then Psalms 91, 1. One of the great chapters in the entirety of the Word of God. Verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I read a lot. I'm an avid reader, as Scott said, and I have willed all of my books to him unless my grandson starts preaching. So we'll take you out of that right quick, brother. All right. But I enjoyed reading. Dr. Machine, Robert Machine, uh, he died at age 30. Didn't live very long, but he said this. He said he preached as a dying man to dying men. He preached as a dying man to dying men. And I wonder where he got that passion from. And Then I read, he said this. He said, I want to give you three steps to success. Anytime I hear preachers say that, I want to write it down. Three or four, jot these down, they say. Now, this is a great outline. And and most of you can remember this, except my brother Roger. He's from West Virginia. He has trouble. And, uh, but... uh, Everybody can remember this outline. Very quick. Dr. Machine said, number one, humility. Number two, humility. Number three, what is it? Humility. You got it. I have a problem with pride. And don't sit there like a pharisaical Christian. Most of us do. I battle the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And sometimes you feel like you have arrived uh, when sometimes you're trying to answer the question and you don't even know the question, trying to give an answer to it. I'm reminded of the king of the beast, the lion. He wanted to remind all of the animals who the king of the beast was. And so this particular morning, he walks through the jungle and he comes to the tiger and he grabs him by the tail and he growls. And he says, tiger, who's the king of the beast? And the tiger said, you are Mr. Lion. He said, don't ever forget it. He went on through the forest and come to a tree, and he shook that tree, and a monkey came down. And he growled at the monkey. And he said, monkey, who's the king of the beast? And the monkey said, you are Mr. Lion. He said, don't you ever forget it. He went down toward the water and stirred the water, and an alligator came up. He looked at the alligator, and he growled. And he said, who's the king of the beast? 
And the alligator said, you are, Mr. Lion. He said, don't you ever forget it. He went on through the forest. He met the elephant. He grabbed the elephant by the trunk and growled and said, who's the king of the beast? And that elephant took that trunk, wrapped it around that lion, picked that lion up, threw it against a tree, knocked the stuffings out of it. The lion dusted himself off, come back over there to that elephant and said, just because you don't know the answer, don't get so upset about it. <laughs> well, sometimes I think I have a problem with pride, and I think it sort of all filters down. Pride's up here in the funnel, and everything else comes under that, and I realize that the important thing is humility. When you have humility, you don't know you have humility. When you pat yourself on the back and you think you've arrived, you've not arrived. Humus is the Latin word which literally means getting down on the ground. Our Muslim friends, so often, you see them on their face, prostrate, praying to Allah, praying to a God who cannot hear and a God who cannot answer. And then sometimes we don't even pray as one time, much less as many times as they do a day in their heathenism. But we need to learn how to bow ourselves humbly before God. And he says, if you'll bow yourself before me, I'll exalt you. He'll put us right where he wants us to be. And the reward always comes from him, not from us. And I'm grateful today for that fact. And so it is today that all of us need to pray and to humble ourselves down before the mighty hand of God. It's essential. John the Baptist, never has there been a man born a woman greater than John the Baptist. And he said, I'm not worthy to unlatch the shoes of the Lord Jesus, who is the Lamb of God that's taken away the sin of the world. And his theme in his latter days, I must decrease and he must increase. And boy, I appreciate the emphasis all these last days of getting back to who it's all about. It's not about, we say it, we say it all the time. It's not about me, it's about him. But sometimes we get hurt, we get critical, we get out of sort and out of sync because sometimes we get agitated. Has everybody ever criticized you? Has anybody ever hurt your feelings? Has everybody licked the red off of your candy? You pastor as long as some of us have, and there ain't too many folks you have not met. <coughs> there was a woman who used to criticize my singing. <coughs> I have, Roger would know, Artie Vidito. Artie Vidito, when I sung in the choir as a young man, uh, I don't have a great voice. He walks with me, he talks with me, he tells me I am his own. You say, preach, that's terrible. Well, I'm not singing to you, I'm singing to God. And yeah, I was singing the choir, and she turned around and she said, she said, James, she said, that is awful. You don't need to be singing in the choir. Now, I'm just a kid. <laughs> I wanted to cry. I said, you're probably right. Then I said, when I got older and started singing, and my wife started criticizing my singing. One preacher said they fly the flag at half mass and the angels weep when they sing. And I got to thinking about it. You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look her up. <laughs> if she's there. <laughs> and I'm going to say, Sister Hardy, you were right on target. But I learned something about this thing of singing, and I'll get to it in my outline in just a moment because it's a precious moment in my life. I brought the song today that's the song of the week. I'll get to it in just a minute. I'll sing it for you. I don't care whether you like it or not. 
It's a sacred heart. Not only is it a submissive heart, it's to be a sacred heart as we enter in the secret place. Our devotional life will determine our conduct because the character is molded and chiseled out in a private walk with God. Mine's not everything it ought to be. Well, I wish it were better. I wish it were better. But I find in my own life what I am in the closeness of the closet is what I am. You can go out and put on the air and impress people and it's been said already. Somebody said, boy, that's a tremendous preacher or a tremendous teacher or boy, let them sing. But I know me. I know me. If you knew me like I know me, you probably wouldn't love me. And if I knew you like you know you, I may not even love you. We're wicked. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the reason why we need to walk with God to humble ourselves down regularly before God and say, Lord, it's me, O Lord, standing in need of prayer. Not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O Lord. Not the deacon, O Lord. Well, it is, Lord. It really is him. It's not the deacon, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. He's waiting on us to come to the secret place. I want to give you something that helped me a long time ago. And I hope it don't sound mystical or trying to be super spiritual. And I go through the routine that I'll give you the habit if I have time to do it today. But when I come into the prayer closet, and I will describe that in just a moment at our house, I was sitting there at the desk, and I said, Lord, I want to talk to you. And Father, I want to enter in the secret place, and I want to pray a while, and I want to talk to you. In my subconscious, Scotty, this is what I heard. I've been waiting on you. <clears throat> well, that put chill bumps over me the first time I experienced that. I've been waiting on you, son. And then the Bible says he's mindful of us. He knows all about me. He knows every hair I've got in my head and those that used to be there. He knows my name, James Marvin Pauley, and nobody knows that except my mother. He knows my address. He knows everything about me. I'm under the scrutiny of God. His eye guides me. The Bible says he guides us with his eye. He walks to and fro and he sees us. He knows everything about us. And you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool God any of the time. And that honesty of coming before God in the secret place of the Most High. And so I've been waiting, and I've been trying to learn and keep learning to enter in the secret place of God. You see, every man has a hallowed spot. It's a special place to him. If you're a preacher, or a, even a layman or a lady, everybody ought to have a secret place. And sometimes that's hard to have. It's unique, and Brother Scott said it well last night in our question and answer time. Everybody is unique. Nobody has fingerprints like I've got. Nobody's got a retina like i got. I am a unique creature of God. And every individual enters into this thing of devotional life differently. You see, what I'm going to give you today is just what helps me. And you may say, preacher, I don't get a thing out of that. But you better find some way uniquely to come before God as an individual and say, Lord, I want to learn how to enter into the secret place. I've read the books by Leonard Ravenhill. I've read the books of E.M. Bounds. I've got convicted when some of those men say, if a preacher don't pray four hours a day, he's not worth his salt. Whew. 
That used to tear me out of my frame. And they talk about getting up at 5 o'clock and praying to 9. When they went to bed at 7, that helped me a lot. And I'm not opposed to praying four hours, and I think sometimes we need more of that. I like what D.L. Moody supposedly said, and I'll quote him because I think he said it. If he didn't, when we get to heaven, we'll find out. But right now it's D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody says, I don't pray for hours at a time. But he said, there's not an hour that passes that I don't pray. So it takes the admonition, pray without ceasing. And I believe you can pray all day long and be in the attitude of prayer, but there still needs to be a secret place where we get along with God. <clears throat> Excuse me. We must take heart the command of the Lord Jesus, pray without ceasing. Our attitude toward the subject will show up in our actions and in the ministry. We can fool some of the people some of the time, I said, but you can't fool God any time. It is a special, hallowed spot, and yours is unique to you. So when I get through in these next 20 minutes, you don't have to leave and say, I can't do that. That's not what I want to do. I'm just going to tell you this. You better find a way to enter into the Holy of Holies and talk to the God of heaven. Something about that that will motivate you when you come out of the closet and realizing it's God and He alone. And I need that because my pride wants to kick in so often. It's sad. I hesitate because this is a solemn assignment. When Brother Scott asked me to do this, I wanted to renege on him. I really did. He said, Uncle James, I want you to talk about your devotional life. And I want you to share with us what you've learned over these years. And I finally agreed to do it. And I hesitated for several reasons. Number one, because my devotional life is too sacred for you to enter into. There's some things that only God and I talk about. Now you say, preacher, what's that mean? It's none of your business. It's between me and God. And there's some things I share with him that I don't even share with my wife. And I share with my wife a lot of things. But there's some things sometimes in the secret place you talk to God about issues of your life and sometimes the battles you're facing. You don't want other folks to know it because you're supposed to be in charge and you're supposed to be doing all right and you get along with God and sometimes you feel like, Lord, surely I can do better than this. Lord, I'm so sorry. And you start repenting of your sins and talking to God in your prayer closet. And you come to that place in your life that you realize that you are about in kindergarten class. I'm 73 years old. Anybody here older than me, would you raise your hand? 73. Jerry, you're, not, you're 82, aren't you? <laughs> Get up there, man. Be honest about it. I'm 73. I'll be 74. May the 17th, 1946. No, that's when I was born. But May the 17th, 1940. Write that down. May the 17th, 1946. I wore a size 10 shoe or 17 and a half shirt. May the 17th is my birthday. Everybody got it? Repeat with me, please. May 17th. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, I'm the oldest guy here. Man, I feel awful. I was trying to get over here from the hotel, and I punched in my GPS, and Gertrude just got me turned around again. Ain't nothing worse than a woman trying to tell you how to drive. And the other person's my wife, and I got both of those sometimes going on at the same, and she'll say, shut that woman off. I say, shut both of y'all off. <laughs> yeah, but anyhow, 
but I feel like I'm in kindergarten <laughs> spiritually. I have 6,000 volumes of books. They look good on the shelf. Somebody asked me, said, have you read all those books? Well, they look good on the shelf. I've read most of them. I love to read. But it always brings me back to one book that supersedes all the other books. And the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And I love to read other books. And I've read what other folks have said. But then he says, I want you to come into the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow. And you can't have a shadow without light. And he's the light of the world to light our path and to show us the direction we need to go. And he says, I don't want you just to visit there. I want you to dwell there. Now, whatever that may mean and however we work it out, he wants us to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Most of you, I listened to Scott's sermon three or four times on this before I got it for today. He's got a classic. I gave it to him, but he does a good job with it. I tell you what I do with Scott from time to time when I'm listening to his sermons. I'll text him. I'll say, Scott, I've got this good message that I've just uh, been working on. It's the one he just preached. And I'll say, if you take this, you might be able to develop into a good sermon one of these days. And, uh, but I love to listen to him preach. He's a great preacher. And uh, from the mouths of babes comes a lot of words of wisdom. And he's a real big baby. <laughs> if you don't believe that, ask Tammy. That secret place is a protected place under the shadow of the Almighty. What a place. I wish I'd get that through this thick West Virginia head. I wish I'd quit being so stubborn and trying to figure it out myself. And, and I think I figured it out. And I finally did figure out something. As you get older and you keep learning, about the time you get the answers, you die. And I'm looking forward to the day not to die, but to go to be with Jesus. And one day, by the good grace of God, my battle will be over. I'll lay down my sword down by the riverside to study war no more. I've been in battles after battles after battles. Our church, I was there one week. Honeymoon was over. I was in battle with folks over standards. I didn't handle it the best way. But I did the best I knew how, and God honored it. Later on, it came down to a vote of confidence on the preacher of whether I should stay or not stay. And so I got with my deacons, and I said, let's have a vote on the deacons as well as the pastor. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So they agreed to that, and we had a vote of confidence, and I stood before our church family, and the secretary came forward, and yes meant you was in favor of him, and no, you was against him. We had everybody's name. And she was reading it, one, this, she was a lady secretary, and she was reading it, and one of the votes said, no, no, no. And I stood up and said, that's only one vote, that's not three. When the vote of confidence was taken, God honored us to win the vote of confidence. You know how we win it, won it? Not because of our great ingenuity, because we're just out winning souls, and new converts stand with the preacher usually. A lot faster. Some of the old heads get set in their ways, and I had to learn that and how to work with I was 25 years old. I was wet behind the ears, knew enough to be dangerous, and still do. But I had a vote of confidence, and it was to decide who's going to be the leader of our church, and that mantle fell on me. 
And then it got more scary for the bruiser. Not that I'm the chief man, but I am the shepherd under the chief shepherd. And that's an awesome responsibility. And I found myself, boy, I won this battle, now what? And then later on, we started running buses and run seven buses at one time. Not like that today, but it used to be. Remember the church was growing. We were going to try to relocate and build in 1980, and we'll forget as long as I live. Already signed the contract to build a new building, relocate, bounce some property, and it's a whole different story, and I don't have time for that. 1980. I just went on radio for the first time. Been on radio now for since 1980 in two stations in our area. Just went on radio. Just started our daycare. Had one student who is a deacon now in our church, who had one student. We had one student in our daycare for two weeks. But during the process of having a daycare and getting approved and everything with the state and codes and so forth, <clears throat> we had a fire in our church. And overnight, we had no building. We was running probably 250, 300 people with no place to go. We had... Bought a little building beside us that was owned by a man by the name of Fat Dillard. I preached his funeral. He weighed 600 pounds. He said, Brother James, I want you to preach my funeral. And I said, Glory, I thought you were going to be a pallbearer. <laughs> <coughs> when he died, I preached on, They that are blessed of the Lord shall be fat. That was my text. And what a great guy he was. But anyhow, I bought the building from him. And so we, we met at a sister church on a Saturday night. We just come back from a conference, I think it was up at uh, maybe Dr. Howell's back in those days, and they sung it, and we sung it. Everything's all right in my father's house, in my father's house. That's good singing it. Everything's all right in my father's house where there's joy, real joy. We sung it till we cried. Saturday night. All right, we're going we're gonna to win the victory. Everything's all right in my father's house. We sung it over and over again. We had a spark of revival to come to our church over a fire, literally, that came and destroyed our facilities. Then we had to meet that little one-room building, little, not too big, probably all. We had to bus our kids to another church fellowship hall for children's church. Only had one bathroom, and when you went, everybody knew you went. One of them kind of thing, no sound factors, you know, just it's terrible, terrible, terrible. But anyhow, we, for one year, and then during that time, had a church split. And I had some folks who didn't want to go with us, and they voted to not go. And I had to take seven people out of their position. And they usually the people against you are tithers. I don't know why that is. And so then we had to give up the, their position. They sat there every week in the church. They met on Friday, and every week I preached to them. And I learned how to love them. To this day, I have no animosity. To this day, I have no ill feelings. And if I had time to tell you the whole story, there come a time when they met with us years later and apologized on our knees. Together we prayed. But the church split, trying to build a new church. Then the contractor went bankrupt. He was building our church. and We put it out for bid. It was supposed to be $450,000, and the closest thing we could get was $650,000. There was a, the president of the company got arrested for embezzling funds, and 
y'all feel sorry for me yet? <laughs> and uh, so we uh, finally got the building, moved into it October 1981. We moved into that new building. And today, if you come to Canapolis, we have a brand new building and a brand new school building and a gymnasium. The church is completely debt-free. And we tried to <clears throat> put uh, the note on the school. They made us put all the property at $3 million worth of property. Had to put it all under one umbrella for the satisfy the bank because of the changing the bank laws and so forth. And then the years have come and gone now. I got more gray-headed. I've had 12 major surgeries. I've been put to sleep 12 times. I've got surgery from my nose to my toes. And I've got the bionic body. Don't fool with me. You push a button and I'll slap the tar out of you. But I, uh, the physical has a way of catching up with you after a while. It works on you emotionally because you think you can still do it, but you can't. Told the fellas last night I played basketball until I was 55 and I finally had to give it up. And I'm still waiting on the Dodgers to call me to go play baseball with them. They got a good year going. I've tried to help them all I can. But here's the fact is I just got to learn and keep learning these wonderful truths. Very simple outline that I have in front of you. It's called the daily habit. You can look at some of the other things, but when it comes down to the prayer time, let me very quickly in these next 10 minutes just give you the habit that I have every day. Very simple <coughs> for me. And uh, try to develop some thoughts from my own memory and to assist in hanging these truths upon the mental pegs of my mind and on the fabric of my soul. And so that's what I do. I've got 40 books on the subject of prayer. I've read every one of them. And they all vary and differ. I've read Andrew Murray's School of Prayer. As you know why I said that in the kindergarten. You name the author, John R. Ross says, all of our failures are prayer failures. And so these 40 books are on my library, and periodically I'll pull one out again and refresh myself about what they say. But here's what I do. I hunger to learn from others, and I believe my life has been changed even by this conference. I hope it is. I trust it will. The emotions will subside, and the service will be passed, and then you've got to make application of what you've learned. Every morning I get up. It's good. When I get dressed, I'm talking to the Lord as soon as I get up in the morning, try to, at least mentally I'm talking. I dress in the other part of our house now. We have a spare bedroom, just my wife and I are home now. No, no kids, nobody there except us. When I get through shaving, I go into that bedroom and I dress sort of like what I got on right now. I put on my pants and my shirt and my tie. I sleep in a tie and a pair of socks, by the way. I felt sort of naked in heaven with a tie the last few days. Brother, 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 brother. Back there with no tie on, I'm so embarrassed. But uh, I put on my coat in the spare bedroom. I dress just like I am right now. You say, what, this is me. Then I go over to the study of my house, which is on the other side of our house. Scott's been there stealing my books, and he knows exactly what's there. And so I go over there, and when I get there, I take my coat off, and I put it around the chair and hang it there. You say, why do you do that? I'm going to work. Everybody else got to go to work. 
I want to be in the office if I'm at home with a set time every morning, set time. Very five minutes one way or the other, but usually the same time. And while I'm there, I go sit down. I can't kneel like I used to. Old body ain't what she used to be. Now I sit there at the desk, and the first thing I do is take a moment, and I take my hands, and I go like this. Hands down, Lord, I want to be empty of everything that's contrary to your will. I sure need your help. My favorite word is H-E-L-P. And I put that down, and then I turn them over like this and say, Lord, I want to receive from you. And the next thing I do in preparation time is I have a song for the week. Boy, I've been through, I go through the hymn books, and I highlight it. I, I scribble on my hymn book. And uh, this was one for this week. I don't even know the song. I never heard of the song but I like to sing it. It's called, I want to love him more. With Jesus I would ever be, his matchless name adore. He's done so very much for me. I want to love him more. He died upon the cruel tree. Our load of guilt he bore. He suffered shame for you and me. I want to love him more. You say, what's that do for you? It gets you ready to pray. Music is a, valuable part of the Christian life. And when I read the book of Psalms, he says, sing unto the Lord. I said a while ago, don't matter how it sounds. You say, that's not the tune of that song. It, it is mine. It's mine. <laughs> and I wasn't singing to you, so get over it. <laughs> and I think in church, if we could ever learn to sing to an audience of one, we'd be a lot happier. At preparation time, and sometimes divine interruptions will change that schedule, and I can't always do that, but I sit there with a cup of coffee, and a dyke milkshake. I see no humor in that, Mark. <laughs> and uh, that preparation time is a moment, and then the music, and then the pillar time, not pillow. <laughs> pillar time. It varies from time to time. This morning I do the same thing in the hotel. I read two chapters from the book of Psalms. And usually it has to correspond with the, like the fourth day. It would be the fourth psalm, uh, the 14th psalm, or the 134th psalm, or the 140th. It's got a four in there somewhere. And I'll do that with two of them. It's got fours in it in the book of Psalms. That's just for me. And then I'll read the book of Proverbs, as I was taught years ago, every day to read the, the Proverbs. And then when I'm doing that, I've got a, this book right here. This is called My Journal Here. I've got one on the PC, on the computer. But this is the one that I use every day. You can't see that. But right here is like Proverbs 2. Proverbs, no Proverbs in 26, verse 26. And then I'll write down a thought that God may give me or something that impresses me. And I'll write it down in this book. And so I go through this entirety. And then at the back side of this book, after I've read the scriptures and asked the Lord just to help me and uh, feed my soul, not trying to prepare a sermon, got some sermons there, but just, just praying. This is a pretty good-sized little book. But then I get back over here to the back side, and then I begin to have it divided into prayer requests by subjects. Now, this one right here is special prayer request, and there's 21 on that right now, 21 prayer requests. And down at the bottom, it just said, thank you, Lord, thank you for that prayer. You say, what's that do to you? Sort of helps him want to pray again. 
then I get over it and I divide it into sections like uh, personal, church, salvation, sick folks, and I try to keep a list of those. I think you ought to pray for the sick people by name and pray for the shut-ins. I try to write a note to the shut-ins periodically. I don't go like I used to. We've got ladies that visit them every week. They keep me posted, and I call them periodically. But I'll write them a note and say, just thinking about you. And I got one lady that's shut-in looks like my mom. And uh, she never comes to church. We had a lady who joined our church who could not be a member because she was incapacitated. She became a member of our church by proxy. She's now a member. And then I have a list of preachers here. And some of you are on this list. The first seven are in green. I started with my brother Roger because he's the meanest of the group. The next one is Scott. The next one is Uncle Eustace. That's who I answered the call to preach under. And then his three boys who are in the ministry. And then Uncle Buddy. Yeah, I did that because they are dear and precious to me. And then the next seven, they're in pink. They're sissies. <laughs> but they're people that I know. And so I go through that. Yes, I don't pray for every one of them every day. But I do pray for them periodically. And let's, by the way, if you've got time and you don't mind, put me on your prayer list. I don't mind. I, I appreciate it. I really would. i got two minutes. That pillar time is important. And so sometimes I'll pick out words that I want to work on. And sometimes I'll read from J. Vernon McGee's commentary. The praise time after that, our Father, which art in heaven. And in that prayer journal, there's pages of just words of praise. I do it alphabetically. I do it sometimes in titles. I go through the alphabet regularly. You know, he's Alpha. He's the beloved one. He's my comforter. He's my deliverer. He's my eternal God. He's my friend. He's good and great. He's God. He's hallowed. He's holy. And go through the whole alphabet. You say, what do you do with X? He's the extra part of my life. He's the zeal. He's everything from A to B, A to Z. And so you praise him. And then that comes from praising, you go into thanking him. Makes all the difference in the world. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem. Let's crown him Lord of all. And then I, then I come down to the prayer time, the list I just mentioned to you. And lastly, and I'm through, I have what I call PC time. I go to the public computer, to the computer. I'm not a whiz at the computer. I do fairly well. Since 1993, I've been working on computers. Still don't know much. But 500 to 600 words every morning of my life, I write to God. I just sort of share some things with God, and one sentence triggers another sentence. It just sort of follows in sequence. And then I always find all the way through that, that word H-E-L-P, and I capitalize it. Help. And then I'll say, Lord, lead on. Help me today. I want to be the very best I can. I confess to you the greatest need in my life today is what I'm talking to you about. I like to stand up here and say I got it all together. But I don't. I'd like to say I've won a lot of battles. And by the way, prayer is the battlefield. You put on the whole armor of God to pray. And that's the strategy room. And you don't win the battle out there. You win it there. And so I close the illustration. Years ago, just a few years ago, uh, one of our young men, he visited with us with his daddy. His daddy was a deacon. And we went visiting and we got back to the parking lot. And he said, hey, preacher. He said, prayed for you last night. He said, I pray for Daddy and Mommy and Grandpa and Grandma and pray for my brother and pray for the dog, pray for the cat, 
he started listing everybody he prayed for and things he prayed for. And then he said, and preacher, we prayed for you. He's 50 now. I sat in his house the other day. He's not living for God. He said, preacher, there's not a day that passes that I don't think about what you preached and what you taught. Thank you for listening. We hope that the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The REST Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. REST 2020 is scheduled for September 7th through 9th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to join us. For more information about REST, go to our website, therestconference.com.